1: Hello, welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Michelle Dean, a writer based in Los Angeles. She's the author of Sharp, The Women Who Made an Art of Having an Opinion, and the co-creator of Hulu's Emmy and Golden Globe winning The Act. And now here's our first letter. Let's take a nice easy one. This is just (laughs) super simple fun. Yes, The subject is... My housemate has claimed our common space as her office. Dear Prudence, my housemate and I have been working from home together for a few months now, and an uncomfortable trend has emerged. I have a little desk in my room, and I've turned it into a comfortable place to work. My housemate's room is a pigsty, where she can barely find space on the bed to sleep. We have an enormous common space where we also both have desks. It's really nice to work there, quiet, tons of natural light, but my housemate has basically claimed the space as her office. The rare times I've tried to work there, she literally waits by the door so she can sneak in with her laptop the moment I step away for a snack or bathroom break. If I come back in, she gets visibly disappointed and sulks out. I told her I have no problem working in the common space together, and she told me that she, quote, can't work around other people. Our relationship isn't the greatest, so I'd like to avoid confrontation, because she doesn't take it well. But I'm going a little nuts trapped in my bedroom all day and night. Then I feel bad for imposing if I work anywhere else. Is there a tactful way to encourage her to create a more comfortable private workspace in her room so I can work in the common space occasionally?
0: I mean, (laughs) I don't think that question is like, I think you should move out. (laughs) Or or (laughs) this person is a terrible roommate. Yeah. No, I don't think there's like a a tactful way to encourage her. And, you know, I don't think she would respond to a tactful way to encourage her if it exists. You know, this is is a person who has some issues. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm entertained by the fact that she tells you she can't work around other people, but apparently this is your
1: problem to solve for her. Yeah, that sounds like a her problem, <laughs> not yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I my read here is that the letter writer's response to somebody who who handles confrontation by being unreasonable is like. Then I'm gonna bend over backwards to make sure we never have a confrontation, which does not actually result in reasonable behavior. It just means you're doing a lot more work and your housemate's still pissed off. Yeah. So give yourself the gift of caring less about whether or not she gets sulky. Like, yeah. (laughs) That's the kind of thing. Like, it would be one thing if she were like throwing things or threatening you, I would have a different answer. But if she's just like hovering in the damn doorway and be like, oh, you're here now, I can't type. <laughs> I, even if that's like, even if she's genuinely distracted, even if that's a sincerely held belief of hers, that's not a problem that you can help her with. So, the idea that like maybe if she's just in her room all the time, it'll be better, I don't think is a good solution. Like, neither of you want to spend all day and all night in your room. You don't have a lot of other options. I agree that in the long run, finding a different housemate is going to be your best solution. So, I would also start looking for that uh, in the background. But just in the meantime, fucking work in the common room. If she sneaks in when you go to the bathroom (laughs) and you come back and she's like, oh, you're back. Just say, yeah, I just went to the bathroom. And if she says, well, now I can't work, be like, sorry about that. Good luck finding someplace else. Like, don't, you know, I I get that that might feel hard. And I get that it's very easy to say, like, just don't be bothered by the person who lives with you. And you see all the time being in a sour mood. Yeah. If you can try to find it a little humorous, I would encourage you to. I think she's maybe used to sulking until people give her what she wants. And if you just say, like, when you wake up in the morning, like, if she gets a little sulky, like, I'm just not going to make that my problem. I'm going to be cheerful and polite, put on my headphones and get my work done. I think 60% of this problem might go away. And if at some point you also have to say, like, hey, this is our common area. It's a common area. I'm going to work in here sometimes. That's, you know.
0: Yeah. And there are two desks in it. That's the other thing that's kind of crazy here. So like if she was like sitting in the one comfortable chair and, and stealing it, that would make her like crazier. Um, <laughs> go to the bathroom. But uh, but also it would be easier to understand like why you couldn't work there as well if she, if she slipped in. Um, but what you say is that you each have desks there, in which case like all you have to do and and I also encourage you to explore, like, turning the desk in a different, like, in a different direction um, yep. if she's going to sulk. Like, you don't have to look at it. I can see that that would be, like, annoying and oppressive um, in, in in certain um, circumstances.
1: Oh, of course. That, and that's her goal. Yes, That's exactly. what she wants. Like, I, I don't know if sulks out means, like, she sulks out of the room. But whether she's sulking in front of you or sulking in the bedroom, the point of the sulk is to make you feel so bad that you give her what she wants. Yeah. Don't. Do whatever you have to do to distract yourself from the fact that she's being snitty. If avoiding confrontation with people who don't take confrontation well worked, that would be my advice. But I hear every day from so many people who say, well, this person doesn't take confrontation well, so I have bent over backwards to accommodate them. But uh, wouldn't you know it, they're still being an (laughs) asshole. It's like, yeah, sometimes you have to pursue a little healthy conflict. You will survive. It will be okay, even if she's annoyed. Let her be annoyed. She's already annoyed, and you're not imposing. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. This was a, that was a really easy one. Great. Okay, let's move on to something like a little more complicated because this next one was a little heartbreaking.
0: So the su- the subject is child free, not heartless. Dear Prudence, I was child free for a long time, but fell in love with a woman who had a kid, and I decided I could be a sort of a semi cool and stepmom. Things seemed okay, but last year the kid got into a not-quite-appropriate relationship with someone in her dad's life. Things got out of hand, and she came to live with us for a few months to get her head on straight. Now she wants to stay with us for good. I said that was fine. We'd get her set up with online school and talk to the therapist about how to manage visitation with her dad. My partner is now furious with me. She says she doesn't understand why I'm okay having a child living with us full-time, but I don't want to have a child of our own together. I think it's not the same at all. I don't want to bring a new life into the world and be a full-time parent, but this kid is here right now, and she needs us. I can't just turn my back on her once I decided to be part of her family. For context, this person was her father's girlfriend, who encouraged her to have sex while she's young and hot, and hired a stripper for her birthday party. She's still in the kid's father's life. Uh, No one else in the family seems quite as disturbed as I am about it, which might explain why my partner thinks it's a sudden U-turn for me and not the only imaginable response
1: in an emergency. Yikes. Yeah. I'm really glad you're in this kid's life, and I'm really sorry that a lot of the other adults in this kid's life seem to be acting like children.
0: Yeah. It doesn't seem like uh, this poor child, first of all, So am I understanding this correctly, that the partner doesn't want the kid to live with her full-time and appears to be manufacturing reasons why our letter writer is somehow at fault or...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't clear on that either. I could understand if the kid asked the letter writer, can I live with you guys? And you just said yes unilaterally without saying, let me go talk to the partner. If that was what you did, even though I think, in, in, in almost every other place, your instincts have been right where others have been wrong. Again, I don't think you need to concede anything else about the kid stuff, but, you know, if that was what happened, I think it would be a good idea to say to your partner, I definitely get that it was not my place to promise that the kid could move in with us without you. Um,
0: You're not the parent,
1: ultimately. Yeah, and that's not a decision that, you know, you should make unilaterally. You should both be talking about it. So, you, you can give her that. You can absolutely say that to her. I I also get why you said that. And, and I think it was also motivated by all the right reasons. Yeah. And that, you know, if a kid who's been troubled and, like, had a hard time with an adult who was pushing sexual boundaries in her other parents' home says, can I stay with you? I, it's hard to say, hang on, let me get your mom. Um, so I also get that that was hard. But what would you say, Michelle, to, you know… Why don't you want to have a baby now?
0: Again, I, I sort of sense that this is manufactured because, first of all, it's obvious that this child is not an infant, whatever else this child is. You know, the, the the detail about the father's girlfriend telling the child to have sex while she's young and hot and hiring a stripper for her birthday party implies that this is at the very least like a preteen. And I, I'm just trying to... It's possible it's younger. Um, I'm just saying that there, that for some reason, sexual maturity has been a subject in the household. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which could be for, for much darker reasons. But point being, this is not a child. This child is not an infant and it's not the same thing as having, as having a child sort of from scratch, so to speak. Right. So the, the connection that your partner is making between your former child free status and whatever is going on with this child. It's really tenuous and it's obviously about other things for your partner that I don't know what they are, right? Like again, I speculate that there is some there's obviously some reason the partner does not want the child to stay with you. And for some
1: reason, right. or or does but wants to use it as leverage for having another kid.
0: Yeah. And and it's just the connection doesn't exist. Uh it's it's not at all the same thing. So right. you know, I guess like I'm at a loss to offer. Advice on on like how to convince your partner um, that it's not the same thing because I feel like your partner actually needs to speak to a therapist herself about why she's made this connection and why it has transformed into anger at you and it seems pretty clear that all the adults in this situation should be angry with the father or his girlfriend
1: and the father, yeah, both of them I mean him for doing nothing to intervene with his kid and and her for. Crossing those lines. Yeah. I, I, I'm in total agreement with you there. And so I agree that I think just the thing to say to your, your partner is just, it's incredibly clear to me that helping a child in crisis who happens to be your child is not the same thing as wanting to have a baby. Those two things are not connected. No. Um so I, I don't know if something else is going on with you or if it's just that you really, really want to have a second child and you're angry with me for not wanting that and you wanted to find an excuse to bring up that conversation. But whatever's going on, I, just, I don't concede the point. They are not the same thing. And I am still committed to not having a child. If we need to go talk to a couples counselor about this for a while, if you've got more grief or anger or resentment or frustration that you need to work through, you know, I'm here for that. I can talk to you about that. I can be your partner in that. But what I won't be part of is if you attempt to bring this up again and again to um, try to convince me that I've done something that uh, like sacrifices or invalidates my decision not to have children because that's just not on the table. No i hope that would knock a little sense into her i hope she can realize like yep i've been really spiraling out from all of this and i've really fixated on the wrong person and and, and need to put my anger in a better direction but but if she doesn't yeah i, I would i would take this conversation to a couple's counselor
0: yeah it, it could be because it, it it definitely it just I'm not I'm not a fan of actually saying this in arguments but this is this is not about you <laughs> or what you've done here. Yeah. This is this is about something that's going on with the partner. It really is. Um uh and and it really like it, it really feels like it would be fruitless for you to try to like fit your behavior into something that would make her feel happier or more secure because it doesn't appear that that's an option here. Um because because again like sh- i'm not even sure that she's clear on on what is actually bothering her yeah and 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 obtaining clarity on that would give you a lot better steps forward than trying to obtain clarity on on your own behavior which seems like it's been pretty much focused on making the child safe which is where frankly again everybody's behavior should be in this situation
1: yeah Do you feel prepared to move on to another another sharp woman, shall we say? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Subject, we're brides, not twins. Dear Prudence, I got engaged to Amy in January. The wedding is slated for late 2021, so we're hoping things will be safe by then and we won't have to postpone. Amy's normally easygoing, loving, and respectful, but she turns into someone I don't recognize whenever we try to plan our big day recently we were looking at dresses, and I said I liked the look of a simple knee length number. Amy said flatly, no, we're both wearing floor length. I don't want to wear something shorter and it'll look stupid if we have completely different styles. I politely disagreed, saying I quite liked the shorter styles. She had a meltdown, crying about how terrible she would look, even though I never said she had to wear a shorter dress just because I wanted to. I ended up caving, as she seemed to care so much about it. This kind of thing has happened repeatedly whenever I express an interest in something that doesn't suit the very specific aesthetic she seems to have in mind. We had a serious fight after she showed me the list of music she'd planned for our reception, which included a song we played at my grandmother's funeral. My grandmother raised me after my parents died. I strongly associate this song with her, and I cry whenever I hear it. I tried to explain that, but Amy became furious and told me I was being completely selfish. Selfish. While I apologized for not being able to completely agree with her playlist, I would not back down. She said we needed to stop talking about it and, quote, give ourselves space. That was a few days ago. And while she's reverted back to the nice, normal person I know, she's neither apologized nor addressed the problem. I've gone completely silent whenever she talks about wedding stuff, which she seems fine with. I've been dating Amy for six years, and I'm madly in love with her, so I can't believe I'm asking this, but is this a red flag? what should I do? Amy knew how special that song was to me, yet she still put it on the playlist without a second thought. Her behavior seems unprecedentedly selfish. Am I being unreasonable? Is this normal? How do I address this? Do you think it's normal?
0: Well, I confess that the Amys of the world really confuse me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I, you know, I, I want to be sympathetic to the fact that patriarchy is taught Women that um, that their wedding is like is like their big day or whatever, um, and so a certain amount of it is cultural programming. But it does seem that even within that that sort of realm, um, there's a spectrum of behavior here, and this, the end of the spectrum that Amy represents to me is is pretty confusing uh and i would venture so far to say unacceptable to me personally <laughs> so i put that card on the table um first i don't know if it's a red flag and i think what would be a red flag is if you talked tried to talk to her about it and she shut down some more yeah because even when you say she she said we needed to stop talking about it and give ourselves space i suspect that she knew at some level that like because this is obviously more important to her than it is you she would win if she gave you some space.
1: Right. Yeah. I I also have a hard time getting into the mindset of someone who's excited to get married, but thinks if one of us has a floor-length dress on and the other has a T-length gown on, people are just going to leave. Like, all right, I'm going (laughs) in, but Jeremy, keep the car running because if they're wearing short dresses, (laughs) we are fucking leaving. Like, I, I, I do not understand how that feels like the most important thing to you. And I definitely don't understand weeping because your fiance says, I- I'd like to wear a knee length dress when we get married. I just, I don't understand. I really, really don't. So I-, I don't know that you have to call it a red flag or or anything, but take it seriously. Sure. Don't don't just think maybe if I just give her most of what she wants and don't pick a fight, um, we'll just get through this. The next year and a half will kind of suck. But then after we're married, nothing like this will ever happen to us again because i I feel very confident in saying if this is the sort of biggest thing you have planned together in six years and she's exhibiting behavior that seems totally out of character, incredibly volatile, dismissive, doesn't apologize or consider your feelings, um, that's not something you can just, you know, say, well, weddings stress people out. So, you know, we're only going to get married once, so this will never come up again. It will come up again. If only because you are deeply, deeply wounded. And right now you feel like, I don't know how to say this to my partner so that it, she'll listen to me or care that I'm hurt. And if you two don't address that and then you get married, you will, I think, keep that hurt with you and it will affect the way that you can be vulnerable, intimate, and emotionally open with her.
0: Yeah. I also think this, this, <laughs> this event is a very worrying conflict resolution strategy when, when, you're when Amy feels the stakes are high right um and yeah. and like in a life the stakes being high um well in fact one of the crazy things about this is the stakes are not that high vis-a-vis your wedding day but if she feels they're that high vis-a-vis your wedding day how will it become when it's a question of child rearing
1: yeah or, or even just like making big life plans together talking about a move yeah changing apartments like any number of things could come up
0: yeah um, and the crying and the and the also being like satisfied with your being silent about it because she's obviously feels it, it ought to be in her control that just doesn't feel correct. I also note yeah. that like nothing in this letter tells us like about Amy saying like you know, she you say she's normally easygoing, loving, and respectful. <sighs> it's just it's it's hard for me to see um from from this letter obviously but um it's hard for me to know how that manifests and and where you're reading that mm-hmm. in somebody who adopts this this strategy when you have a disagreement
1: yeah and i wonder if i, I don't want to speculate too much or assume that this has all just been just below the surface but i wonder if you don't say much about these previous 6 years i wonder if this has been a relationship where you two haven't yet had significant disagreements or, or you've both kind of avoided conflict and considered that just a sign that you two were super compatible. Again, that's not to say she's probably been like this the whole time and you were just lying to yourself. But I, I do wonder if, if part of what this is is a sense of we haven't had these kind of big issues come up before. And now I'm finding that when it's about, you know, movies or restaurants or, um, uh, you know, what time we want to wake up on a saturday it's not a big deal but when it comes to bigger events or events that are really emotionally charged um her her style of conflict resolution is to you know push me over and get what she wants and ignore me when i'm sad and that's just not good so my my answer here is say to amy just how serious this is yeah. not like it's been a little tricky and i want to tweak this like You seem to have become a different person since we started wedding planning, and I don't like it, and it's making me miserable, and I'm deeply, deeply concerned about the future of our relationship. It's not going to be a fun conversation. You might cry. I hope you can talk to your friends about it and get support both before and afterwards. I don't think her first response is going to be, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm so sorry. Let's call a couples counselor tomorrow. So prepare yourself for a difficult conversation, but you can say these things lovingly and honestly, but you also just have a lot of, um, you have reality on your side. You know, you, you have a, a a series of behaviors that you can point to and say, this is not what I want for our relationship.
0: Yeah. And if, if I were you, we, we've talked mostly about the dress here. her being devoted to having a song on the playlist that is upsetting to you yeah. is actually in many ways the far more serious one. Um, because I mean, again, the, the dress thing is like wedding industrial complex stuff. And like, I, I don't like it, but, um, mm-hmm. but I could see where it felt like an externally imposed limitation. Yeah. This, you don't articulate this, but I, I don't really know why Amy wants that song on the playlist, except that she yeah. wants it. Right, like, it would be one thing, I guess, if she was like, well, it was like my parents' wedding song. And you said, well, it's the song they played at my grandmother's you know.
1: Right, at which point, my God, like, even, even at that point, I, I just can't imagine not saying, of course we'll pick another song, I'm so sorry. Yes,
0: me too, me too. But it, it feels really bad that, like, the only reason it's on the list is because she wants it to be on the yeah. list.
1: And, and then she called you selfish for saying, I don't want to have a breakdown about the grandmother who raised me at our wedding, can we pick a similar-ish song by someone else? Like, that's just the easiest thing in the world to say, oh my God, of course to. Like, you know. Yeah. I re-
0: also, it, it's not just her wedding, yeah. just to point out. Like, it's your wedding. So, like, you get to be a little selfish about it.
1: Yeah, it's not even, you, you get to be involved, you know? Like, it's not even a question of who gets to be the most selfish. It's literally just... present and engaged and a part of the decision. So I really hope to, to talk to your friends about this um, and let them know what's going on. Because I think one of the hardest things about like a sudden change in a romantic relationship is the impulse to protect your partner Mm -hmm. um, of like, well, if other people knew about this, they don't love her like I do, they might judge her for it. I think this is the situation that calls for some judgment. And that's not to say that I want you to tell all your friends before you talk about it with Amy for weeks and weeks so that they can all tell you what a jerk she is and then you can yell at her. I just mean – I think you need to talk about this with somebody who loves you and cares about you and who knows your relationship and who will be able to support you and say, like, I'm I'm stunned by this too. I'm so sorry. Of course you should talk about this with her. What can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Agreed. And – You know, I guess this is one other good reason that the wedding's not until 2021, because either that means you two can take a break to go to couples counseling and try to figure out if you can make this work, or hopefully you can get back your deposit money if she really digs in her heels and says, I can't believe you would ask this of me. You're a jerk. You're a monster for asking this. I'm being great. And and you're being the worst. Like, better to find out before the wedding than, than on the day, I guess.